Well, hello there. Richard Tubb here with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, this season, we're focusing on speaking to IT solution providers and managed service providers just like you to understand what makes them tick and specifically the tools they use that bring them success. Today, I'm joined by Paul Croker of UK-based 18IT. Now, Paul describes his business as doing IT differently with a cup of tea and some rock and roll. Paul aims to make the complex simple and seeks to help small and medium-sized enterprises protect what is important to them and to their clients. Paul, welcome to Subtalk. Hey, Richard. Thank you for inviting me on the show today. I'm um, excited to be here and hopefully add some value to your listeners. Oh, I'm sure you will. Where are you joining us from today? So I'm based down in Bristol in the UK, and it Got happens it. to be sunny today, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's beautiful up here in Newcastle-upon-Tyne as well. I guess before we we really dive into the full conversation, help us understand a little bit more about your company. Um, what part of the world do you typically look after clients in? Uh, how many people are in your team? What does everything look like? Sure. So I'm the owner, founder, and director of 18IT. I set it up to be a little bit different in the IT sector where we're not driven by the technology. We're driven by these uh, requirements of our clients, so to speak. So we listen to what they need and we, we, we make it based on that. Um, there's currently five people in the team that do the traditional IT support elements, um, remote service desk, remote um, uh, getting access onto the uh, client's computers, um, which leaves me basically there to look at the strategic IT approach and sort of the IT manager, IT director aspects of the business. Yeah, wonderful way of uh, doing business as well, because not a, so many MSP owners uh, start out as a technician and get swamped with the technical work and don't really take that sort of high-level view into it. So I like what you're doing there. I'm intrigued. What type of clients do you typically work with and, and what do you do for them? Wow, we've got quite a wide scope. Um, so we have traditional businesses. So we've got some accountants, uh, corporate finance companies. Uh, we have some uh, healthcare uh, industry companies as well. And they range in size from micro businesses, one man bands, sort of freelancers, all the way up to uh, I think the current biggest client we've got is around 70 to 80 users. Right. Okay. I, I'm also really interested as well on a personal level. What led you to working in the managed service provider industry? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, it basically, well, I started my career off uh, working for an accountancy uh, many moons ago, um, where I was, I, I just really like to help people and relieve their issues and their challenges to enable them to do what they need to do. Um, and I quite enjoyed that. So whether it was in person talking to them, I found I had the ability to talk and to listen, and I could take kind of what they were saying and unearth actually what was going on there, nuts and bolts, and solve the technical issue for them. Sometimes they'd ask and I could say, oh, it's down to this, this and this. And other times like, Paul, I don't care. Just make it work. I was (laughs) like, yep, we can do that as well. How long have you been running the business for? So the 18IT itself is still quite new. It's about three years old now. Mm -hmm. Um, Set up just before the pandemic. I think we had six months before we went into all the various pandemic. Yeah. So not the most perfect timing, um, but I was able to draw my experience from my last corporate role where I was an IT director manager for a pan-European space company, um, looking after two sites here in the UK, um, operational IT support, uh, managing the outsourced IT department that we're doing the the IT support bit, but also engaged with onboarding new starters, processes, CISO, cybersecurity, and all that other fantastically exciting stuff. Wow, what an incredible background. I've got to ask, pan-European space company. Come on, tell us a little bit more about that. That sounds intriguing. Um, basically, they had entities scattered across the uh, across Europe, 
Um, there's there some places, there's a couple of sites in France, uh, several in Italy, um, and with the IT element all rolled up into what they call a, a joint venture. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would meet up two to three times a year in person because they realized actually, because even though langu- English was the first language, people were taking it on board in different different ways. Some key pieces of information were being missed and they felt that having it done remotely on video calls uh, wasn't the way to do it. And having it in person, they could build the team and the culture, which was big to them, um, and, and basically really work on that. So it was really there that I really kicked on and really built up my experience and knowledge around IT management, around stakeholder management, uh, budgets, forecasting, uh, cybersecurity came in and played a big piece as well. Um, and I actually realized I, I quite enjoy listening to those requirements, what people needed, and then working out what needs to needs to happen. So there was one instance where we had some software that was quite expensive for one person to use it. Uh, the business was questioning that um, just because of sheer volume. It was around about, I think it's like £40,000 for a license for one person for one year, which is obviously quite a lot. Um, so engaged with the business, found out actually they only needed it for two weeks in June because they were bringing in a dedicated engineer to deliver that piece of work. So I said, so you need it for two weeks then, not for the whole year. And they're like, well, yeah, kind of, pretty much. I said, well, I'll go and find out then if we can get it for two weeks. Oh, you could do that, can you, Paul? I don't know. I'm going to go off now and have a chat to the vendors and see and see what's what because it's currently where we're at a blocking point. So we need to resolve this to get things done. So um, when Tor found out, yes, they could give me a USB license dongle for that period of time. It was still quite expensive, but a lot less than £40,000. And the business went for it. So we were able to save the money, get the project on track, enable the users, find out they'll bring in a dedicated resource that needed this specialist software. So for those two weeks, we made sure the onboarding process was super slick. And he was able to come in, do what he needed to do, deliver that project, and, and everyone won. Amazing story. And, and, and you and I have talked before, I'm not sure if I mentioned my background in corporate IT, not dissimilar uh, to yourself. I'm interested though, we, as MSP owners, um, we are used to, to working with multiple clients. We're used to working with software that's multi-tenanted. When you're in the corporate realm, it's a lot, I was going to say simpler, but I'm not dismissing what happens there. But IT teams in the corporate realm tend to look after one, you know, one, two, three sites or whatever, as opposed to multiple sites. So when you moved from the corporate IT into the managed service provider space, did you find that like a big culture shock for you? It was because I was used to being a member of a a substantial team. I mean, there was a couple hundred people in this team um, and we'd be talking on a weekly, daily basis. So moving out of that to being solo person in the business to start with when we set things up i had a vision and an idea what needed to happen so you do need to be of a certain sort of ilk and a certain frame of mind to basically be able to lift that blueprint tailor it how it needs to be tailored because there are changes that needs to happen as you've you've alluded to just with the with with the tool sets that are there the fact that there's no one there to bounce ideas off of or that arm around the shoulder but it's not quite gone to call to plan you think in the whack what do I do here? How can I move this forward? It's on you. You have to make that work. Yeah. The upside, I would say, of a corporate IT background like you and I have got is that I learned the uh, the benefit of scalability, of standardization, of things like that, of documentation and systems and processes. And that's what I brought to bear in the managed service provider industry. Did you sort of take a, a similar view on that, a similar sort of skill set? Absolutely. Um, so I was, one, some of the stuff that they did quite well was uh, repeating to bring in new staff and make it so on day one, we could work out 
this what this person needed, where they fitted in the business, make sure the PC was fit for purpose, software is all good to go, email account was working, et cetera, et cetera. Now, these people were coming in from multiple different angles with inside the business. I mean, it was a huge entity. So we'd had graduates, placements, full-time staff, part-time staff, cover, all sorts, all coming in from different angles. Whereas from MSP perspective, it's much smaller. So you can take that blueprint on that model, which we used over there, and very easily slot it into smaller micro businesses uh, to say, look, we can add value. So when you bring this person in on day one, whether they're a freelancer, contract, or whatever it is, we can get them working straight away. Yeah. Now, a couple of times already, you've mentioned that that phrase that um, many people forget in our industry adding value. So you've clearly got a value-focused uh, uh, mentality about it. So this season in the podcast, we're talking to MSPs like yourself and talking about the tools and the platforms within their business that add value. So let's dive a little bit deeper into 18IT. Let's understand what your toolkit looks like. So Paul, tell us what are the platforms that you're using to run the MSP? So we use a mixture uh, of, of tools. Um, some of them are fairly standard. So we, we've got uh, CSP with Microsoft. Uh, so we bring that in through there. Um, we support Apple devices as well as Mac devices, as well as PCs. So we have different tools tools across that as well. Um, we use um, some of the products from ConnectWise mm -hmm. for remote management um, and other areas as well. Um, and we rely on, on partnerships with our vendors to give us the right tools to be able to do the job that we need. Because again, it comes down to time. It takes a lot of time for us to research all the different vendors, all the different products to see, is that going to add value to us as, as, as a business? Or is that going to add value to our clients as, as, as clients? You know, they, they need certain tools that do certain things. So it's important for me to make sure that I'm partnered with the right suppliers. I call people partners. So I have partners with clients and partners with suppliers. And I think those relationships are super key. Yeah. So give us an example of some of the partners that you work with that have, uh, that have added value and made a difference to your business. Um, so I think the, the one at the top of the, the top of the pile is our, actually our, our mutual friend, uh, Mr. Mike Breeze from Pax8. Right. Um, they've come over here very differently and set things up in a very different way to where I was before. Um, so they've they, they've been a really good sounding board, given that sort of arm around the shoulder, which is what I try to do with my clients. So automatically, there's a good rapport there because they they just get it. They know it's hectic, it's busy. They know that it's um, challenging environment. Um, you don't get the praise when it's going well. You only hear about it when it's going wrong. That's right. Um, and at that point, it's quite it's quite um, a pressure cook environment, or it can be, depending on what's gone wrong. So to have people there who understand that, so when you reach out to speak to them, they respond quickly to you. That's that's invaluable. Yeah, and thank you to to Michael Breeze at uh, Pax8. I've known Michael since he worked at uh, Datto, and he's been a great supporter of the Tech Tribe and other MSP communities that I've been involved with as well. Tell us a bit more about that relationship. I love how you're referring to vendors, you know, ConnectWise, Pax8 as partners as opposed to just suppliers because we're seeing a lot of angst in the MSP industry at the moment about that sort of conflict, for want of a better word, between MSPs and vendors. And I think a lot of it comes from MSPs looking at vendors and saying, okay, we work with you to just get what we can out of you. And uh, the assumption is that uh, that vendors and uh, uh, people like Pax8 are going to look at MSPs and say, you're just there to be sold stuff to. I suspect that's not the relationship we've got with Pax8, though, is it? Tell us a little bit more about how you work with them. 
It's very different. Um, and part of part of me saying, as I alluded to earlier, about them getting it, yeah. they know we know the tech stacks. They know we know the general flavors across the top. So it's very rare that they technically sell to us, inverted commas. Um, they support us. So the products almost sell themselves because they've got the right products in the right stack. And it's made easier for us to utilize their products because of how how it's all set up and how it's geared. They know our pain points. They know time's restricted. They know we, we, we don't want to be faffing around with bills and invoices. So it's very straightforward. We get a, a broken down invoice from them. So we know who's got what, uh, what quantities. Whereas before that, I didn't get that from my previous um, distributor. I won't, I won't name and shame them, but it was horrible. <laughs> they was yeah. just one, one PDF. You've got, Paul, you, you guys have got 32 versions of Microsoft um, Office standard um, and sixty uh, of, of basic. Had no idea which clients were using those. I then had to go back down through and work out who to bill at the end of every month. Actually, it was awful. Wasted a lot of time. So the, the team at Pax Eight um, are there with technical expertise. So if we have any questions, um, I actually had to reach out and speak to them earlier um, around uh, uh, whether some of their backup solutions do uh, options around uh, supporting backup for. Uh, social media mm. um so i'm constantly engaged with them on different questions um and it's it's just it's just like having other people in your team and i think that's what's really important is you need to sometimes some msps may need to have a mindset change around this them and us culture because yes. at the end of the day we're here to service the needs of our clients so having an inclusive nature where those barriers are broken down and things can can can, can move freely is got to be a good thing. Yeah, I, I, it's been a bit of a soapbox topic for me uh, lately, Paul. Obviously, I I do a lot of work with vendors. I do a lot of work with MSPs. So I'm sort of in the middle, and I see it from from both sides. And there's reasonable arguments on both sides. But I think something that you mentioned earlier is so important to that partnership, that relationship between vendors and MSPs, and that's culture. Cultures, you know, if it's not a right fit from both sides, you are going to come uh, and it's going to be a culture clash. So how would you say you found the culture at Pax8? So clearly it lines up with your sort of worldview, your vision, but how would you describe the culture at Pax8 to other MSPs? It's very different. Um, they're open to collaboration. Um, it's almost forward thinking um, and and uh, the agile, super agile, being able to kind of like, you know, we've heard the word pivot used quite a lot during the pandemic and they 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 truly do that. It's not just lip service. It's not just them. Um, yes, yes, not in dog scenario. This is what we can do for you. Fantastic. Can you go together and get, actually, that's not what I'm seeing and hearing. It actually happens. And it's not just with, with one person or a couple of people. It's across the whole board. So that's that's really where they've added a lot of a lot of value, and some of that that magic really happens. Is it's not necessarily you've got one really good account manager there; they're all really really good. That's interesting to hear because one of the complaints that I hear from MSPs about vendors is a they don't know who their account manager is, and b if they try to get in touch with who they think their account manager is, they get stony silence and nothing at all. So yeah, I mean, uh, I talk about how it's remarkably easy to be remarkable in this industry because unfortunately the bar is fairly low. So it, based on what you said, it appears as though you know packs out by taking a group approach to this that you can speak to anybody in the business. Uh, you know, they're sort of exceeding that bar handily. I'd almost say actually, it's if if it, um, other MSPs obviously listening to this here as well. If they're thinking about, oh, it's a really bad service or the rest of it, it's not good. We don't get this, this, and this. 
build that into kind of your ethos because I often look at things and think, okay, not how do I want it done, but what annoys me? Where what, what frustrations do I have with it? And try and work out reverse engineering, really. How can I stop those things from happening or at least reduce them as much as possible? And at the end of the day, you know, we're here to service our clients and get things to them as quickly as possible mm. um, and, and fix their issues and their challenges. Yeah. So beyond buying your uh, licenses from Paxa, uh, what other ways would you say they help you to grow your MSP business? Because you talked about a partnership and obviously that goes uh, beyond. So if I could be as bold, what do Paxa do for you to help you grow your business? Um, there's a lot they do is probably the, <laughs> the short the short answer. Um, but a lot of it comes down to building that relationship. I've, I've been fortunate to work with them now for just over a well over a year now hmm. um and when they when i first was introduced and met with them i was just i was just myself you know i was curious i asked questions i wanted to reach out and they were they were really interested because because i'd shown that interest i wanted to know more i was curious about stuff um and they were wanting to go oh you know what can we do for you how can we help you and it was literally that kind of simple what can we do for you what 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 will what will help you do more because they say when our msps are doing well we're doing well yeah, they so it's are. that reverse. It's that reverse model and that inclusive nature, which I think is is really important. I couldn't agree more. They've been an absolute breath of fresh air in this industry for for how they partner is no surprise. Knowing the people who were involved in the Pack State business, both on the the US side of things and here in the uh, the UK as well, uh, Philip Morgan, who um, is a, a, a good friend of this show, has been on the podcast numerous times before. A tech entrepreneur. We talked about Michael Breeze with his background at Datto. Um, I interviewed Chloe Cameron, uh, who uh, was just one of the most amazing interviews, um, and we did a tub talk live with uh, Chloe the other week. So, so many wonderful uh, people at PAX 8. So um, thank you for, for sort of raising awareness of them here, Paul, because there's going to be MSBs listening to this. And as we said, this show this year, we want to highlight the tools and the platforms that are enabling MSPs to grow. And it's it's clear from what you're saying, it's enabling PAX 8, that relationship is enabling you to grow your MSP business. Absolutely. And as I said, it's having like another having another team member here in the business, uh, but without increasing your headcount. Yeah. Um, they offer if you've got solutions or you've got some questions or you're trying to find out if a product will deliver on a on a on Macs and in PCs or what it looks like or how it's going to work, etc. You can you can reach out and and just talk to them. Mm. They're happy to talk and engage with you. They want to talk and engage with you. So these little bits of added value mount up and they become quite significant. Yeah. I want to give a comparison here, and I, I, we're not in the, the nature of bashing anybody. So as you said, we won't mention your previous distributor partner, but you, did you consider other platforms before deciding on partnering with Pax8? I was looking at several. Yeah. Um, and I don't, from the start, I didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket with just one product, and that's all we do. So say for endpoint protection, we just have... Um, Heimdall, or we just have Sentinel One. No, I wanted to have a couple of different products there in case the needs are slightly different with different clients. And Paxate understood that, and other vendors that I work with understand that as well. And over time, talking with them, explaining to them how how I work here, and the fact we're based on the requirements, not always the solutions, um, they, they they get that. And I think yeah. that it's. I'm hoping, fingers crossed it's going to be a trend that we'll see a little bit more people opening up to work in this way rather than putting the fences up and going, it's a them and us approach. 
which things fall between the gaps. No one quite sort of knows that grey area. Well, that's him or that's him and it doesn't go anywhere. It's no good for anybody. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and when Pax 8 came to the UK uh, and Europe, um, when was it? It was about, we're recording this in April 2022. I think it was about 15 months ago now, wasn't it? It was uh, January 21, around that time. I've never heard the buzz for a, well, you know, they're going to uh, um, uh, tell me off for calling them a distributor because there's so much more than that. But I never heard the buzz, Paul, for a distributor coming to these yeah. shores. I'm like, what is up with this? And then when I looked into it, it's like you can see, you know, the people that are getting behind it, the whole ethos of how they're doing business. They see themselves effectively as the the wingman, don't they, for, for managed service provider businesses, provide you with all the different types of tools. So the, the actual... Um, uh, the marketplace that they've got there, how easy do you find it to go and find the tools that you need? Because you've mentioned a couple already. Um, what yeah, you find it easy to jump in and uh, buy what you need to do? It's super easy. Um, and they've got they've got documents where you can download PDFs and data sheets and tech documents and case studies and all sorts. All the good stuff is there. You just sometimes need to have a look around to see what options are there because similarly, they don't just have one product for one one solution there is a little bit of crossover so it's just a case of understanding what's the best fit and again if you can't work it out from from their platform or you've got some questions or some queries whether it's technical whether it's um sales more sales based reach out speak to your your, your account manager or speak directly to to, to the uh, the people in those areas and they're they're only too happy to help and they're quick so beforehand where i would have an issue say with uh, Microsoft 365. I'd lock a ticket with them. I might hear back in two weeks on a good on a on a good incident that they've received a ticket. Right. I was like, well, that's great. So it's that's far too long. Now it's matter of days, if not well. In fact, it's hours. Um, in fact, one evening, one evening, and this is again the the the, the nature of their business is I was put a ticket in the service desk. Um, I had one person pick it up, and later on that evening, I had a phone call from one of their engineers based out in Dallas in the US who said, oh, Paul, I hear you've got this issue. Um, are you free to look at it now? And I was like, well, I'm at home, but no, let's jump on it now and do it now because I've got someone here. Give me a couple of minutes. She's like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. And it was that straightforward. It was that easy. It's just having a really simple conversation. He's checking that I'm okay to, to, to action this now. And, and we, we've, got, we've got it fixed. So when the client came back in the following morning, voila, problem solved. Oh, that's brilliant. When when I ran my MSP business, we used to very much lean upon partnerships, as you said, with the vendors back then. And it's such a powerful way to do business. As you say, when it's not just you and your service desk, it's not just you having to look after your clients. You've essentially got an army of people behind you, tech people who can help out with things as well. So I love this. This is really striking a chord. We are in danger, though, of giving uh, John and Philip and Michael and everybody at Paxay an extremely swollen head. So uh, what I will say, if you're listening to this and you want to find out more about Paxay, then you can check out the resources page we've put together to accompany this episode. It's at tub.co forward slash Pax8. Go and check that out. But thank you, Paul, for shining a light on uh, Pax8. And it's just so refreshing in, as I said, in almost this conflicting times that we're seeing at the moment where MSPs and vendors have got this sort of uh, aggressive relationship in some circles. It's great to hear you sing 
the praises of uh, a partner like Pax8 and, and very well deserved. I know many people listening to this will be Pax8 partners and will be nodding their heads in agreement. And there's equally though, I think there's going to be lots of people who are like, who are these Pax8 people? The whole point of this episode is uh, to shine a light on, or the whole point of this series is to shine a light on the tools you may not have heard of. So Pax8, one of the ones I'd encourage you to check out. So let's move on from Pax8 for a minute, Paul. Let's move back to you. Um, I'm really intrigued. You know, you've been doing this for three years now, did you say, the managed service That's right, yes. Obviously, a ton of experience before that, but what have you found the most challenging thing about running an IT business? Um, I think going from a standing start at the beginning. So going from literally corporate environment, right, I've got an idea, I've got a vision, I know what I need to do. How do we, where do, where do we start? Where's, where's step one? And there isn't that sort of, right, follow these six steps and lo and behold, when you get to step six, you've got a fully functional MSP and, and all the good stuff's happening. <laughs> so it's um, it's taken a little while to get going with it and get traction and, and work out and just find, um, find my voice, I think, with it really. Yeah. Um, how I want to do that, how I'm going to stand out from other local MSPs um, and, and other IT companies as well. Um, but it's, it's getting there. Yeah. I mean, you chose a challenging time just before the pandemic as well. So <laughs> I was going to say, it's not as though you didn't try to make things easier for yourself, but really you've, you know, it's difficult enough to build and run an MSP business, but with the pandemic thrown in, what was your experience, you know, to be thrown in at the deep end? And I'm presuming to have clients asking you all sorts of weird and wonderful things in the early days of the uh, pandemic. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm sure we've all got some pretty bizarre and wacky, wacky <laughs> stories we, uh, we've encountered. Um, I think for me, because when I set 18 IT up, it was that outsourced IT manager director for SMEs. Uh, that was the focus. Um, but during the pandemic, people and businesses, flip, I found, flipped insular. So they were looking inside their business and going, oh, we've got to shift and move and pivot and all the other buzzwords that all came out of it. Um, and it was all, a lot of it was geared towards I, traditional sort of IT support, that react, reacting to something that's happened. And yeah. that, that something was, I need to enable my workforce to work from home. Um, uh, how do we do that? We need some laptops. Uh, you try buying a laptop in a, in a pandemic that's business grade and it's going to cut the mustard. It was really challenging and really difficult. Um, and having those conversations with business owners and trying to explain to them how we could... Um, get funky on some of these solutions to try and think out of the box slightly on how we can get them up and running whilst keeping them safe and secure and enable them still to do business. Yeah. Well, firstly, congratulations for coming through all of that, not only surviving the pandemic and starting your own MSP business, but absolutely thriving. So on the flip side, we've talked about the challenges. On the flip side, what would you say three years on, what's your favourite thing about running an MSP business? Diversity. It's very, you've touched on it earlier, I think. Yeah. It's very diverse. So when we were working with our corporate hats on, you knew very much what the tool set was. Uh, you knew what the roadmap was going to be for the next year and which quarter budget, what was going on and anything new and exciting going on when that was going to be. But every day is a school day. You know, you're always putting out fires. There's always something you didn't plan or anticipate. And it's like, right, so how are you fixing this? What are you doing there? How, how can you stop that from happening again? Um, and I, I, I love that. I love those discussions. 
Yeah, you you clearly come across like me as somebody who thrives on that uh, uh, diversity, though. But we know from our corporate IT background where the whole point is keep it safe, keep it standardized, yeah. keep everything you know in a box, and that some people don't thrive on that at all. So something you said earlier really struck a chord with me, Paul, and I think may strike a chord with the audience. You said you love helping people. And I think that's probably clear, you know, comes across in the way you deal with your relationship that so many people get into our space because they enjoy helping people. You know, it's as yeah. simple as that. Easy to lose sight of that. So when you're having a rough day and when the things are sort of overwhelming you, how do you remind yourself that, you know, I'm helping people here? It's, it is tricky because, you know, we know working in the industry, it's a thankless job. You, you yeah. only hear the bad stuff sometimes. So some, some weeks it can be from one one disaster to the next, to the next, to the next. And it's no one's really thankful when you've solved that issue or, or fixed that challenge. So having some some time out to, to, to think back on what you've done and what you've achieved is really important. And I, I didn't do that for the first probably a year or so working with Inside 1890. And then I stopped and I was having meetings on with, with people and they were talking about like mental well-being and and frame of mind and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I'm fine. I'm okay. I, you know, I'm 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 still me. I'm still doing my thing. It's all good. And I was actually, do you know what? I've actually done a lot more than what I thought I'd done, even during a pandemic. And it wasn't until you stop and you take stock of that, that time is really important. It's not the time to stand still and and give yourself a pat on the back and go, wow, look how great I am. It's just to go, right, I've done some really good there. And what you can do as an MSP, if, if you've delivered a really cracking service or you fix something that was so integral to that business and such a pain point for them, get them to do your testimonial. Mm. Because if you can get them, especially whilst they're thinking about it, to do that, you put that on your website, put it on social media, it gains traction. It's positive news. And come on, who doesn't like positive news? Absolutely. So I love the uh, the concept of taking stock, of giving yourself a pat on the back because we don't do enough of that how do you you know force yourself to not really to slow down but to say we are doing good work here uh do you journal do you uh do anything of that nature or is it just a case of putting time in the diary to 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 actually think about how have i helped people um my brain's often going 19 to the dozen i'll be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just have to ask my partner about that and she'll, she's she's testament to it um so i often write things down um and, and whatnot but I find sometimes you, you alluded to earlier about um, a cup of tea and a rock and roll I, I drink lots of cups of tea um, <laughs> as I'm waiting for that kettle to boil I'm sometimes thinking about stuff and recapping it back on what's happened what I've done today what I did yesterday the week before um, and sometimes I find that time is quite good just to take stock um, sometimes I'll sit down at home and I'll just put some some rock and roll music on whatever that might be um, just to sort of kind of give myself five or ten minutes just to sort of zone out recharge and then go again um if it's dealing with like a particularly different difficult situation or conversation uh with a client or or something else going on i'll probably wait go off and make a cup of tea and then come back rather than tackle it straight away because you can be emotionally driven uh with a negative outcome if you do that so just keeping it positive as much as possible really yeah, you come across as a very positive guy, Paul. I know, uh, I think everybody listening to this would agree with it now. If you're out walking or in the car listening to, to Paul, you've, he's probably put a smile on your face. To that end, looking ahead to the future from the from the positive side of things, what would you say you see the next few years holding in store for the managed service provider industry? You could look into your crystal ball. What What's the good stuff that's coming up for us? 
um, I think it's a really exciting time. There's lots going on all over the place. Um, I've, I've picked up some stuff recently, which is which is really interesting to me, which is around uh, the virtualization of, of computers and desktops. Mm. So now you can have a virtual PC spun up in a couple of hours. And it's 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 a monthly cost, which is well, the Microsoft one's like forty pounds or something a month, um, and there's other options and vendors available as well. Um, but beforehand, that was like you know VMware, and that was that was te- you know, that was tens of thousands of pounds to put that infrastructure in place with the licensing and the rest of it, and you had to have bandwidth and all the rest of it. Was now those things are happening now, and the good thing with doing some of those things is. You don't have to have expensive endpoint devices. You can deploy stuff quicker and easier. And I think on the some of the good stuff that's come out from the the, the pandemic is this remote working. Uh, and I see businesses now changing their how they go about employing people. And rather than being geocentric, oh, I'm, I'm based in Newcastle or in Bristol or London. I have an hour outside that area where I can attract talent. No, not anymore. I've got one client that's got a, a member of staff in Singapore and we set her up with a cloud PC because she was wanting to work in a, in a particular way that having it on a physical PC was too difficult. And the client was originally going to post out a, a laptop. I was like, right, okay, so we're going to configure a laptop with all your details and your information and accounts and you're going to post it and hope, fingers crossed, pray and all the rest of it, it's going to get them one piece and 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 the rest of it it's not really a viable option. Now we have those options that are. So I think um, remote workers, remote first is going to be big, big opportunity for us. It's a very different set of technology uh, stack that's going to be used for it, but it plugs into some of the good stuff that we're doing already. Um, the, The other areas I was thinking as well is where some of this technology plugs into what we've got there already. So are we utilizing the current tools we've got in place as best we can? Yeah, something you and I um, were talking about just before we came on air, Paul. So you've already mentioned the backup tools that you buy uh, via uh, Pax8 and you use with your clients. You were saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could back up social media? Because you were, yes. uh, tell me the story, if you wouldn't mind sharing with me the story you, you've just experienced today. Of course. Um, one of my clients um, sent me a very upset uh, WhatsApp message this morning. Uh, her account on Instagram has been hacked. And no matter what she does, uh, she gets thrown out of it and can't get into it again. Now, her business is quite heavily reliant on social media. Um, and if you speak to some of other people in the, uh, in sales and the rest of it, it's a good tool to be using because lots of our target audiences are using the different different platforms. Um, I think that the analytics now around LinkedIn is, is literally all of the working population in the UK have a LinkedIn account. So mm. you'll find people on these platforms if you want to speak to them. Um, which is great. However, we've got a lot of IP intellectual property now on those devices, sorry, uh, products, uh, platforms, which we are potentially at risk of losing. Yes. So normally in other, other areas of the business, we would identify that as a risk and we'd put in some sort of disaster recovery, backup solution scenario to mitigate that risk. And at the moment, they're really, I, I, I'm struggling to find an, an automated solution that will resolve those headaches. Yeah, you and I were talking about it. So internally here uh, at Team Tub, we use a product called Drop Suite, 
uh, that backs up, you know, our Google workspace. And I know many people listening will realize it, you know, backs up uh, M365. Uh, but when it comes to social media, as you say, you know, it's such an integral part of not just our personal lives, but our business lives. And you and I were saying, we've not come across a tool yet that can sort of back up that data and make sure that if anything terrible happens, or let's face it, Paul, if one of the platforms changes directions or nukes your data or decides you, you're not part of the party, you know, so... Um, I will say, Paul, one of the reasons I do this podcast and have these conversations out loud is there's lots of people listening to this. So if you're listening to this and you know of the tool that Paul and I don't know for backing up social media, give us a shout. There used to be a tool out there called um, uh, digi.me um, that uh, did a good job of that, but it's been since been uh, discontinued. But let us know, Richard, at tublog.co.uk if you find something of that nature. Um We've talked about the future of the MSP industry. You've shared some insights into virtualization, where you see things going, and the cloud and remote working. Where do you want your business? Where do you want 18 IT to be? Let's say in 18 months' time. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I think to continue growing, uh, to support more clients, and um, I really want to kick on the outsourced IT director element to the business giving insight and information to boards and exec members who know they need to do more or they're they're in the hot seats if it goes wrong from a compliance perspective, um, but haven't got either the time or the budget to have someone full-time. Um, I think there's a lot in there uh, where I can add a lot of value. So I'm hoping I can expand and grow the business into those areas. Um, and I want to take I want to take this globally. As I said, I've got one client with one client now in in Singapore, um, and it'll be great to to have an internet a, a true international footprint. Yeah, some people call the 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 outsourced IT director you're talking about. I've heard it referred to as virtual chief information officer, virtual CIO. It's definitely a growing trend in the managed service provider space, and where. Going back to one of your phrases earlier, where you can add an immense amount of value uh, to small businesses who, who wouldn't otherwise have that. Paul, what would you say are the obstacles that might prevent you from doing that type of work and achieving those goals? Um, I think a lot of it's down to time. So mm. finding the right clients who are willing to invest um, in your time for that. Um, it, it's I've noticed as well in my, my short three years of running 1890, there are some people out there, I'm sure we've all come across them, who just want to um, draw down information and advice and, and not really sort of um, uh, sort the commercials out behind that um, mm. or pay for that, that that level of service. So I think for me, it's, it's, it's identifying um, quickly the businesses where they're willing to do that and they're the right fit. So for me, it's been a journey as well um, of finding out actually these are the right clients for me. I need to identify those and focus in on those. Whereas beforehand, I'll be I'll have to hold my hand up. I was guilty of any client, all client, please, because why not? Yeah, qualification. Qualification to clients is such an important lesson to learn. And like you, it took me when I was running my MSP business quite some time to get there. And then you know you start to notice the signals and the red flags for people who are not a good fit for you. And conversely, uh, once you start doing that, you start to attract people who are a good fit for you. And life becomes a whole lot more fun, doesn't it, when you're working with people who uh, who value uh, what you do. Um, you mentioned something a little bit earlier about um, you know uh, learning from others and things. Who influences you? Have you got any mentors? Are there any authors of books or speakers that have made an impact on you? Yes, is the easiest answer again to that one. Share, share um, yeah. So um, we've alluded to a couple already. Um, the fantastic team. Over at Pax 8, so Mike Breeze, 
uh, Philip Morgan. Um, I've got another friend of mine as well, uh, who you know as well, uh, uh, Simon Rosemeyer. Yes, um, yes. He's been really helpful as well. Um, and I've got other people outside the in- uh, IT industry as well. Uh, so there's a, a, a guy who I actually met virtually, haven't met him yet in person yet, but hoping to one day, uh, Timothy Hughes. Um, he's done a lot of marketing and social marketing books. Um, and I use his knowledge and information uh, quite a lot. And he's helped shape um, my headline, for example, on my LinkedIn profile right. uh, was on the back of having a discussion with him. Um, and he was he was big champion that be authentic. What, it, what Who are you? you know, what are you about? Um, and so having those discussions with people sort of opened my mind to, to doing things in a, in a different way. Um, Andy Bounds is another one. Um, read some of his books as well. Um, follow some of his his um, his newsletters and information as well. They're they're all all fantastic. They all add value in their own little way. Um, and um, yeah, it's just I'm I'm like a sponge. My my dad used to say, "Be a sponge, absorb information of people that know already." Um, and then when you can add value, add your value in over the top. Oh, well, thank you for sharing those. There's a couple of uh, uh, experts in there that I wasn't aware of before. So we'll we'll make sure to uh, grab their details and include them in the show notes for this show that you can go to tublog.co.uk and get all of those links. And uh, Simon, who you mentioned earlier, I met for the very first time a couple of weeks ago in Manchester. We'd exchanged emails, knew each other. Simon, one of the the sweetest blokes ever, he came up to me, he he really, really made an impression on me. So uh, thank you, Simon, a good uh, member of the Tech Tribe there. Uh, as well so many good people in our industry isn't the pool so yeah absolutely and it's 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 not the me show it's the us show is is and it's that inclusive nature of we're better together and when we work together great things happen not just good things and all these people that we're, we're talking about now and that we've notioned about um share that kind of that ethos and that mentality um and it's just empowering yeah Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I can see exactly why Michael Breeze introduced you and I, because we are on such the same wavelength. And I know many listeners to this show will be listening to what you're saying. Absolutely agreeing with it as well. There are a lot of people out there like you, Paul, who believe in sort of uh, sharing and a rising tide lifts all boats as well. So uh, thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom and time with us today. I really appreciate it. I know you're going to have made a lot of fans today uh, who are listening to this show so if anybody wanted to reach out to you continue the conversation with you what's the best way for them to find you online um i've got a linkedin account so you can find me on linkedin uh email uh website whichever is easiest easiest for them yeah and what's the web url uh web url is 18it.uk so that's 18it.co.uk not .co.uk just .uk dot uk there we go just yep. as well to clarify that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're also on social as well so social media uh with yeah. the usual usual places as well so i was gonna yeah. say we've been we've been exchanging tweets haven't we uh back yes. and forward as well so uh, <laughs> yes. yeah so. it's been fantastic Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again big thanks to michael breeze at pax 8 for introducing us i can see exactly why he did it's been a such a thrill speaking to you and meeting a like-minded spirit in this industry. And uh, so thank you for everything you've shared today. I hope we get the opportunity to meet in person coming up really uh, soon. I uh, am due to uh, take a trip down to Bristol, your neck of the woods soon to to see friends and clients and colleagues down there. So hope we get a, a chance to have a cup of tea together.
Absolutely. Richard, also we'll say a big thank you for inviting me onto your, your podcast today, um, allowing me to, to have, have this conversation with you in this chat. It's been, been fantastic. Um, I'm sure our paths will absolutely cross uh, again and um, look forward to catching up for a cup of tea or coffee, whatever you prefer. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. Thanks, Paul. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.